at that tight end position. Jefferson escapes trouble and right through traffic like running down Dixon at midnight. And he's finally forced out of bounds by Shin Young. Knox has been huge this drive. Jefferson end zone caught. And an Arkansas touchdown for Matt Landers. Finally, finally, a complete game of football. Offensively, defensively, special teams, it was all there on Saturday night. Sure, you can make the argument about the fourth quarter. You can. Yeah, we gave up a shit ton of yards, but we we took our foot off the gas. We were playing prevent defense. It's just a sportsmanship thing at that point. We're not going to run the football down their throat like we were doing for the first three quarters or throw deep routes when we're up 36 points. That's not who Pittman is. It's not who we are as a university. We're not going to rub it in other people's face like that. But – KJ was healthy, defense playing well, flying around hitting people. We executed on both sides of the football, had limited mistakes, forced turnovers, and capitalized off those turnovers, and hell, we even downed a punt inside the freaking five-yard line. I don't know when the last time it was that we did that. I think that might be the first time all year, but it was about damn time everything clicked. Now it's time to keep this momentum rolling into Columbia. But as for Ole Miss, oh, man. Man, that ass whooping couldn't – couldn't have happened to a nicer group of guys. Our football program has one national title to its name. Sure, it's only one. It was in 1964. But according to other fan bases, we win numerous Super Bowls every season because apparently we view everyone as our Super Bowl and biggest rival because a bunch of Ole Miss fans think that we view them as their biggest rival or as our biggest rival when, in fact, we've never once considered them a rival. For one, just because – you don't like a school doesn't mean we consider them a rival. I'm in the least bit intimidated by Ole Miss. I never have and I won't ever be. This is a team that's never made it to Atlanta or won a national championship, but they sure do view their football program as some blue blood, which is comical because Ole Miss has had great teams in the past, but they've cheated in the past and they still can't win. That's that's their biggest claim to fame in, what, the last 30 years of their football program? I think that's it. So, yeah, I don't know why they think there's some crazy good program, but they got that ass whooped on Saturday. That's for damn sure. Anyone could tell you that much. But that's what, that, that's what a weak schedule gets you. I mean, look what happens when you play three good conference opponents in consecutive weeks. You get exposed. LSU exposed you. Y'all had a 17 to nothing lead against Bama. Lost that one, too. You almost lost... Yeah, you almost lost to A&M, almost let that crappy team come back and beat you. And then you let us, Arkansas Razorbacks, dub y'all boys on Saturday. Just flat out whooped you. Wasn't even close. Y'all can go ahead and kiss Lane Kiffin goodbye because he's going to Auburn. The only reason why I think he's going to Auburn is because Ole Miss offered him a new contract first to make him the to make him one of the top ten highest paid coaches in the country. Sure, he was at 11 already. But why would you offer him a contract if you were so sure that he was going to stay at your university? I don't know. You made the first move, so you obviously think he might leave. But 
Saturday night just gave me 2014 vibes. And I was kind of thinking that beforehand, you know, with the cold weather and everything, it being mid-November. And I thought that we would dominate. I hoped that we would dominate or at least play well, maybe win by like 10 or something. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that I that I knew we were going to be at 42-6 to six at the start of the fourth quarter. And sure, even though the final score was 42-27, the game wasn't close at all. It wasn't. Anyone that tries to make the argument that it was, you're crazy. 42-6 to six at the start of the fourth quarter. That just says all it needs to right there. Hogs were on that ass from the jump, and lucky enough for Ole Miss, we called the dogs off in the fourth quarter. But the Hogs are bowling again, three years in a row. Rolling to Columbia, finish off the regular season the right way with a W, and then what do you know? Eight wins on the season with the bowl win is very much in reach. But like I said, we got to take it one week at a time. Welcome back to Views from the Hill, episode... 14. In this podcast, we provide information vital to the greatest collegiate athletic program in the country, top two, not two. Additionally, we preview and recap weekly matchups, provide recruiting news, and updates across professional hogs across whatever sport it is that you may follow. For everyone who said, and not everyone, there were some people on Twitter, message boards, saying, oh, why can't we play like that all season? Where was that the whole season? Or just had a thought or remark to similar to that? It's like, why would you say something like that? Like, does it make you happy to say that just to grade and just constantly be negative about something good that we did? Oh, why, why, why don't we play this good all year? Yeah, you think we meant to lose games early in the year? You think we tried to not play like this? Do you get a high from it? Come on now. I mean, we just spanked the 14th best team in the country at home after two close losses to LSU and Liberty. We're not bowl eligible, and you can't be happy about it. I mean, seriously, you'll never be happy in sports ever if you expect perfection in every single contest because you won't ever get it. Sure, you can want it. You're never going to get it. Yeah, if we play like that every game this season, who knows? I don't know if we'd be undefeated, but sure, we might have one loss. But that was the best game we played all season from start to finish, offensively and defensively and special teams. That's why I said it was the most complete game we've had this entire season. But last week, we talked about the importance of home environments in this conference. And Saturday did not disappoint. The LSU game was live. It really was. But Saturday night against Ole Miss, 25 degrees, night game, windy. It didn't matter. 71,000 showed up, showed out, froze their ass off while doing it, while being loud. It was, I mean, it was loud as hell in there. It really was. It was, I, I didn't think the LSU game would be topped, honestly, but it felt twice as loud as the, or as the old, excuse me, as the LSU game. It was a perfect way to send the seniors out, but shout-out to the seniors. Shout-out to those seniors. They left it all out there in their last game in Donald W. with Arkansas across the chest. This class has got a lot of guys who stuck it out through tough, tough times. They've stuck it out through a lot of ass whippings. They've stuck it out through now their second coach. They, a lot of them started with Chad Morris, just years of misery. But now look at them. They're reaping the benefits of all their work they put in over the years. Hats off to them because they left the program in a much better place than it was when they got here. Hogs have a chance to snap another streak on Saturday. What that is, I guess we'll find out. Philosophy, doesn't doesn't think he has too many more opportunities. But whatever Sam has done, it's working. Three 100-yard games for Landers. Here goes Brackett. Sanders in a dead sprint. With the money seats. Sanders having a night. 
Alrighty, recapping the Arkansas Razorbacks' 42-27 victory over the 14th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels on Saturday night. Saturday was electric. I mean, welcome to the electric factory. It was – Don Domey was jumping. Odom had the defense rolling. Uh, I mean, honestly, outside the fourth quarter, we really kept Ole Miss in check. And sure, they had a touchdown early in the game called that, but so did we. But we still wound up scoring that drive. The Hog defense Saturday, we, we bent, we bent, we bent, but we did not break. Honestly, Ole Miss moved the ball relatively well between the 20s. Once they got inside the 20s, couldn't score, couldn't capitalize. Ole Miss has proved to all of us on Saturday that yards doesn't win you games. Sure, you know, you look at the stats, they had 700 yards total offense, ran for 463 yards, but they also ran almost 90 plays. We, I think we ran just over 60, so almost a 30-play difference. And we also had 500 yards total offense. But this is because our defense essentially sat in prevent the entire fourth quarter, and all they did was run the ball. Granted, they did have some success running the football through the first three quarters of the game, but it, but it wasn't good enough to put points on the board. I mean, that offense hadn't been held in check like that all season. Barry's got these guys flying around defensively. Dart was never comfortable in the pocket. And one, I don't think he's comfortable standing in there to begin with. Then you throw pressure at him. He has to run outside the pocket, throw on the run. He can't really throw inside the pocket, force him outside of it. That completion percentage goes in the toilet. I mean, our defense had, I believe, three turnovers, two fumbles, one interception, three sacks, six tackle for, tackles for loss, and five QB hurries. I mean, Ole Miss had the best rushing attack in the country, averaging 37 points per game, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown until early in the fourth quarter. That's impressive. That's the second solid rushing attack in a row in LSU and Ole Miss that we've really kept in check. And sure, I say kept in check, and we gave up 463 yards to the offense, but the fact of the matter is they didn't score their first offensive touchdown until the game was essentially over. That's flat out impressive by the defensive side. Of, by the just, that's flat out impressive by the defensive side of the ball. It really is. That group's just been flat-out balling since the bye week. I mean, after the bye, you have the Auburn game. We held them to 13 points. They scored two garbage-time touchdowns at the end of the game. One as time expired, and that game was way out of hand. Liberty, I know that was an absolutely horrendous loss, but we shut them out second half. You go to LSU, we allowed one offensive touchdown the whole game. Go to Ole Miss, we only allowed one offensive touchdown through the first three quarters of play. That's impressive. It really is. This is the most confident and physical defensive unit Barry, or that Barry Odom's ever had here and that I've seen in quite a long time. But similar to LSU, this offensive line for Ole Miss, at times they were just confused with regards to who to block. I mean, we brought pressure from everywhere. And what I like that we did is, I don't know if this is something we designed, but Miles Slusher was following their slot receiver whenever he'd take off in motion. And instead of just following him and running man-to-man, as soon as he'd run across the line of scrimmage in motion, crossing the quarterback's face, as soon as the ball snapped, Miles Slusher's take off and blitz. Next thing you know, we had someone in the backfield unblocked or that they didn't check down to. And I'm sure we all have our own opinions on the transfer portal, and we're going to have a lot of news about that coming up on December 5th. That day's going to be quite a hectic day with transfer portal and coaching changes. But thank God the transfer portal draws brought us Drew Sanders. I mean, just another monster game from Drew. That guy's 
Yeah, he's gone. We, If there's anyone that opts out of a bowl game, I mean, the guy's a beast. Since the year 2000, I saw a tweet on this today, since the year 2000, only two players in the FBS have totaled 95 or more tackles with at least 12 tackles for loss, eight sacks, three forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, and one interception in a single season. Drew Sanders in 2022 and Khalil Mack in 2013. It's a pretty elite company to be a part of. But Drew Sanders' interception is just an example of what it looks like to confuse a quarterback with bluffing blitzes, uh, bluffing different coverages, and just do anything you can to throw off the offense the best you can. Because on that one play, Drew was bouncing around the line of scrimmage like he was going to like he was going to blitz through the B gap or blitz off the edge, and Dart saw it, saw him bouncing around, checked into something, snapped the ball, Drew took too hard step towards the line of scrimmage like he was going to blitz, but then bat pedaled out of there into coverage and dart threw it right to him. It's a perfect way to disguise a blitz. And we've been doing that over the last four to five weeks, and it's been working to perfection. And granted that the quarterbacks we've played since the bye week haven't been near as good throwers of the football as the guys we played before the bye week, but it doesn't matter. These guys really haven't had that much time to throw the football. But all in all, Drew got SEC Defensive Player of the Week, no co to it this week. So about damn time that guy deserves it. As for our secondary, you know, outside of giving up one or two deep catches, and, you know, I knew Ole Miss was going to take some shots on us. They, I knew they were going to. Uh, but our secondary played pretty well. They really did. Miles Slusher was all over the place, eight tackles, one tackle for loss. And honestly, even if he wasn't making tackles, he was just disrupting plays when they'd run sweeps. He would bounce plays back inside. He was blowing up wide receivers up trying to block him on run plays. Miles Slusher showed that he's a very, very, very vital part to this defense. And I don't know why I have a hunch feeling that he's going to leave, but I really hope that guy doesn't leave. But next we got Dwight McLaughlin. Man, Nudie's a stud. Uh, I don't think he's staying. He's probably going to the NFL. And he sh- honestly, after the season he's had, he should go to the NFL. I mean, he's one of the he's one of the best man on man cover guys we've ever had at the at the university, if not the best. The only other guys I can really think of, you know, Chris Houston was great man to man coverage. And I'm glad our corners finally know how to turn their heads. It's just something that used to frustrate me for years and years on end when we'd be trying to defend a pass, not even looking at it, turned into either PI or just us getting burnt. That's for the cornerback on the other side, Mr. Quincy McAdoo. That dude's got NFL written all over him if he sticks it out at corner. I know some people are starting to you know murmur if he wants to move back to wide receiver and stuff. I don't know. Me personally, if I can get on the field as a true freshman in the SEC West as a starting corner and be good at it, there's a lot of there's a lot of good receivers out there. There's not a lot of good corners. And corners, if you're a good corner, you can play in the league for a long time. Not saying Quincy McAdoo will become Patrick Peterson, but Patrick Peterson was in college back in like 2009, 2010, and he's still playing cornerback today. So, I don't know. The guy's a flat-out natural at corner. I know I'm probably jumping the gun on what he'll become, but he just started getting reps at corner in-game two weeks ago, and now he's our starter. He's given up a, a few catches, already has a pick, and he just continues to show how much of a natural he is. He's got great coverage skills, but he's also an amazing open-field tackler. Uh, Quitson Junkins, or Quit, I don't even know how to say his first name. I'm just going to call him Junkins. Junkins broke out a massive run in the second half, and Quincy hawked his ass in a heartbeat. Then, 
pretty sure on that same drive and consecutive plays on one of our goal line stands, Dart rushed outside the pocket and got flipped on his damn head by Quincy and Quincy let him know about it. Then he broke up a fourth down pass in the end zone that was going to Malik Heath. Guy's a stud. Now, lastly about defense, Poopaw, man. Ah, oh, that guy's a beast. I know he's not going anywhere. Old Papa Dot, Chris Paul Sr. confirmed it, but he, he ain't going anywhere. But I don't know, what more can you say? A lot of people coming into the season, including myself, questioned who was going to be the third linebacker for this group because last year you had Grant Morgan, Hayden Henry, and Bumper Poole, three solid linebackers is what you need, and really a four-two-five defense, defensive scheme. But it didn't take long for us to figure out that Poopal's got that dog in him. He's that third linebacker. And Poopal and Quincy, hopefully Quincy stays, those guys are the future of our defense. They really are. It's going to be fun to watch them play. Them, Jordan Crooks, some other guys like that. Going to the other side of the ball offensively, man, what a difference. What a difference it is to have K.J. Jefferson, a healthy K.J. Jefferson. Can't put a value on that guy. You really can't. I know that he's at least a 20-something point difference. That's statistically true. Because, you know, what are most teams wanting to do against us? I'm a, I, it's a broken record. I say it every week. You know it. I know it. Everyone wants to shut down our rushing attack. That's And honestly, the past two weeks, what did Liberty do? Shut down a rushing attack, they beat us. What did LSU do? Shut down a rushing attack, and they beat us. So, of course, you shut it down, it's the blueprint. You, you probably have a good chance of beating us. But how do you combat that? By swinging three tutties in the first 16 minutes of play. What a beast. I mean, from there on, the running game was just wide open. KJ finished 17-22, 168 yards, three scores, had an absolute dime to Matt Landers in the end zone. I believe it was our second score of the game. I mean, he KJ, he, people were talking about it all week. He, he was really, really motivated in practice. You know, he had a massive game against Ole Miss last year. We couldn't get the job done, unfortunately. So he wanted to make a statement against Mississippi schools this year and Mississippi State was lucky that he had a concussion and wasn't able to play against them. So Ole Miss was the victim. But speaking of Matt Landers, that guy's on a roll. Three catch. I know it's only three catches, 38 yards, but he had two scores. And he's great in the red zone. He can get open against tight man-to-man coverage. He's got great hands. He can block. That guy's got a really good chance of getting drafted. He really does. He's 6'5", can run. Mike Woods is good, don't get me wrong. I got respect for Mike for what he did at Arkansas. I don't like what he did going to OU. But if Mike Woods could get drafted and make a team, Matt Landers is 100% getting drafted and will make a team because Matt's better than Mike. Jaden Hazelwood had a solid game. Trey Knox had some nice catches on third down. Keytron got in the end zone. Had tell-all boy from Ole Miss. He was too little on that touchdown catch. But, you know, I wouldn't forget about him. Star of the night. Number five. Have yourself a damn night, Mr. Rocket Sanders. Have yourself a night. Just won SEC Offensive Player of the Week, and they're—I swear—if there would have been a co-bite, I'd have—I'd have gone to Birmingham myself or wherever in the world the SEC headquarters are located at. Him and Judkins, two SEC's leading rushers, both young cats too, and neither disappointed with their performances. But Rocket came out on top, ran 24 times, 232 yards, three house calls. Y'all know his best run of the night was. Second play of the second half, took a handoff 68 yards to the Potmans for his third score of the game. And, hell, honestly, he could have ran for close to 300. I mean, we sat in the entire fourth quarter. I think he carried the ball one time in the fourth quarter, actually. Then we sat in the rest of the time. But we got ourselves a dog in number five. He's a dog. I know it. You know it. My grandma Norma knows it. He couldn't have done it without that offensive line, though. 
Those boys woke up from the past two weeks. They really did. They were blowing people off the ball. We were abusing that front seven from Ole Miss. I mean, on numerous plays, it felt like we we were blowing those defensive linemen about four yards off the ball and then getting to the second level. And Rocket was going about five yards at least without getting touched. Because of their performance, Ricky Stromberg got co-offensive lineman of the week for his performance. All in all, just look what happens when you have a healthy KJ. Just look at it. Team's dynamic. They're hard to beat. With the defense rolling the way they are, we're really hard to beat. We're putting it all together at the right time. We really are. I mean, the offense is rolling. Defense is playing well. KJ's healthy. Pittman's got those guys fired up after that win, especially after going bowling. That win was huge. That win was, I think that win saved the season because if we lose that game, we 100% lose to Mizzou, 100%. Being fi- both being 5-6, and six, oh, boy. Oh, boy, that would have been bad. Mizzou's going to be fired up to play us. They really are. They have to be us to become bowl eligible. And I believe Pitt's going to have the boys ready to go. Going to Columbia, day after Thanksgiving, handle business, whoop that ass. Because Mizzou doesn't belong on the same football field as us. They don't belong on the same playing field across any sport as us. They really don't. I hate that that's even a freaking rivalry. You know, lastly, as we head into the regular season finale, I saw this cool stat on Twitter. Hogs have 5,120 yards of total offense this season. Of that 5,200 or excuse me, 2,568 of those yards are rushing. 2,552 of those yards are passing. Talk about balanced. That is the definition of balanced. Two games left. This offense is on pace to be the third offense in school history to eclipse 6,000 total yards. Pretty impressive. To it. Jefferson lobs it in zone over the shoulder. It's Matt Landers again. All righty, previewing the Arkansas Razorbacks matchup against the Missouri Tigers in Columbia, Missouri this Friday, the one day after Thanksgiving. But good God, I hate this school. I think I'd rather root for North Korea than drink a bitch. I mean, this guy sucks. He really does. He's, oh my God, I, I didn't like visors to begin with. Kirby Smart's the only one that can really rock one, but drink, God, that visor makes me so mad. Ever since the 2020 game where Drinkowitz was talking crap to Pittman, after Missouri beat us and Pittman was just congratulating him on the victory, speaks volumes and just expresses, or that's kind of where my hatred for the guy stemmed from. Still also just looks like a nub. But anyway, regardless, Friday's matchup in Columbia, Missouri, it's going to be a lot tougher than we think. They're going to view us how we viewed Ole Miss because we're playing for bowl elig- we were playing for bowl eligibility and they're playing for bowl eligibility. So they're going to be really, really motivated and sure, with it being the battle line rivalry, I'm sure they want that trophy back. Once again, I will never consider that a true rival uh, because they just simply suck at everything and do not belong in the same playing field as us in any sport, kind of like I said earlier. But you know, Pittman and his crew, they got the opportunity to snap a streak against Missouri. One that surprised me, but a win on Friday in Columbia would be the Razorbacks' first win in Columbia since 1944. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't get that wrong. 1944. Good Lord. I'm going to do it, try to do that quick math real quick. That's 78 years. Yeah, that's 78 years from the last time we won a football game in Columbia. That is unreal. Well, Friday is another rubber match, another trilogy bout. Tigers beat the Razorbacks 50-48 to on a last-second field goal in 2020 back in Columbia. 
Then Arkansas beat the Tigers 34-17 in Fayetteville in a game that really wasn't close. This matchup's one that's been more frustrating over the years than anything, honestly, because outside of one Chad Morris year, we've been better than them than them in every single or every single year, I feel like. It all started what, back in twenty what year was my junior year? Twenty sixteen. We we're up twenty four to zero, blew that lead. Next year, Brett Bielma's last game as our coach. They kicked a game-winning field goal on us to end the game. Next year under Chad Morris, we got stomped. year after that, when Chad Morris got fired, I believe Lundy was the coach. And if we had anyone but Jack Lindsay at quarterback, we would have won because we only lost by, like, four. Then, you know, then it was 2020, lost by a field goal. Last year we whooped them. You know, games have been close other than one matchup, really, but – you know, I fully expect it to be chippy come Friday. I really do. Guys are going to be talking. Missouri's, Missouri's 5-6. and six. They recently beat New Mexico State 45-14, but they've lost two of their last three games. At the same time, they beat South Carolina this season like we did. It was Their game was a lot closer than ours, but they also took Georgia to the wire and almost beat them. They lost 26-22 and were winning the entire game, which was kind of concerning at the time, but – as for who to watch for on Friday, let's take a dive into it. Tigers are commanded by sophomore quarterback Brady Cook. He's relatively dynamic. He's he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's done for 2,200 yards on the season on 201 of 307 passing, which is about 67 per, or 65% Excuse me for 11 tutties, 7 picks. He's also run 107 times for 490 yards and 5 tutties. He's also been sat 21 times this season. He's got the ability to hurt defenses with his feet, in my opinion, more so through the air because he's, you know, you do the math, he's only throwing 11 touchdowns. We are in, we're about to play game 12. So there's been a game this season where he hadn't thrown one. And he's their second leading rusher on the team. He's second on the team in rushing touchdowns. So he's more confident with his feet, in my opinion, because he's got solid speed. He runs the most on RPOs. Uh, in terms of how I would rate him as a thrower of the football in comparison to the last few guys we played, I'd probably rank him behind Dart and Daniels and maybe tie with Robbie Ashford over the last few teams we played. But in terms of athleticism running-wise, he's not near as good of an athlete as Ashford or Jaden Daniels. Probably probably more athletic than Dart, I'd say. But anyway, passing-wise, Mizzou averages 209 yards per game and around one touchdown passing-wise per game. So, excuse me, passing-wise are not a crazy big threat. Honestly, I'm not too worried about them beating us through the air, but we'll get to that in a second. Now, rushing-wise, outside of Brady Cook, they got two running backs they used by committee, Cody Schrader and Daniel Pete, both of which are not the fastest guys. are about 5'10", Henry said about 220 pounds. Uh, they're very, very physical runners, so they seek out contact. They run very hard. Schrader leads the team in rushing with 100. 39 carries for 604 yards and seven tutties. Pete is third on the team in the rushing with 92 carries, 399 yards, and two touchdowns. Hogs got to wrap up. We have to wrap up. Fly the football, swarm to the football, because I don't know if one guy is going to bring either of, these, either of these guys down in the open field just for how physical they are. If we don't wrap up and fly to the football, this rushing attack for Mizzou is going to be better or look better than it has been all season. They average about 152 yards rushing per game. Now, receiving-wise... Tigers have three main targets they like to get the ball to, I'd say. Uh, there's probably four, but we're just going to go with three. One of them has to be an old Fayetteville native. 
Their leading receiver is Dominic Lovett. He's very, very good against man-to-man coverage. He has 50 catches, 716 yards on the season, and three touchdowns. His yard per catch average is 14.5. He's really, really fast. He gave Georgia problems in man-to-man coverage. So you know that dude's probably good off the line of scrimmage. You can give Georgia problems in man-to-man coverage, and you're pretty damn good receiver. So I uh, can't overlook this guy. Got to contain him. Can't let him get loose on us. If he gets loose on us, He's going to burn us, and for the love of God, just put anyone else on him but 15. Do not let Simeon Blair guard this guy. We're going to be in for a long day. Second leading receiver for the Tigers, Fayetteville native Mr. Barrett Bannister. I think he's 35 years old, been at the university 10 years, but I know it hasn't really been that long, but God, seems like he's been there for forever. He has 37 catches, 408 yards, but no receiving touchdowns on the season. He's a short yardage guy. They're not going to hit him vertically for anything. Once a Runs a lot of routes over the middle. He's a smart route runner. If we do run zone, he's going to sit down in zones. Uh, his best game against us was probably back in 2020. Gave Joe Fouché a lot of problems. Joe really couldn't cover him. That just kind of spoke volumes to that season in general that Joe Fouché couldn't cover this guy. But, you know what, whatever. Next is Luther Burden the third. It's a fancy name. 35 catches, 295 yards, four tutties. He's their third option. I don't know a whole lot about this guy from the outside of the New Mexico State highlights. I believe he hasn't done much in conference play. So uh, the main one we have to be worried about is Dominic Levev. If we let him get loose, then we're in trouble. Now for this offensive line group, this offensive line group won't be near as good as the past two we faced in Ole Miss and LSU. They won't even be close. But nonetheless, they're an SEC line group. They're very hit or miss in both pass pro and run blocking, but – you know what? I'm not going. Sh- I'm not sugarcoating it. Uh, our defense should flat out feast on the defense. We should have our second Thanksgiving meal on Friday. This team only averages 23 points per game, which is horrific. They've had one game, or they've only had one game this season where one guy on their team had more than 100 rushing yards. And same for receiving. I I, I know it sounds like I'm overlooking this team. I'm not. We can't come out flat or overlook this group, or they will score on us, and they will beat us because this is what's happened to us before, and we've overlooked this team. That's what happened back in 2016, and we overlooked this team. It kind of happened in 2020. We we overlooked them and got beat. This is the worst offense we've played all season, without a doubt. But the, the next worst offense behind this would be Missouri State, and Missouri State's light years ahead of this group. I mean, averaging 23 points per game is really bad. Our front seven needs to... Not needs to, we should overwhelm this team. We should have our way with them. If we can generate pressure, disrupt the rushing attack like we have been the past two weeks, then we should hold this group to well under 20 points. It shouldn't be close. One thing Mizzou does do, they do run tempo. So if they are to gain, you know, five, six yards on the first play, they'll line up quickly and run the same play again, likely an RPO or a quick pass. All in all, just play fast, sound, and physical. We're going to overwhelm this team. As for the defensive side of the football from Mizzou, this is what will keep them in the ballgame. They have a pretty solid defense. Their offense is bad, but their defense is pretty daggum good. On average, they hold opponents to around 26 points per game, which is very, very, very solid. Their pass rush and secondary is going to be some of the best we played against all season. They love to play the numbers game. They'll stack the box, run man-to-man. They have 29 sacks on the season, 9 interceptions, 10 forced fumbles, and 6 recoveries. So they can get after the quarterback pretty well, and they can also turn you over. With our offense finding their old selves against Ole Miss, 
we're going to have to continue this momentum, this offensive mojo we have into Columbia because this defense is playing for the rest of their season. This defense is playing. These seniors on that defense are playing to save their season. They want to be playing in December. They want to be playing in you know January if there's a random ball they get put in if they win six games. But they're going to bring pressure all day long. I mean, they're going to blitz all day long. they got nothing to lose, right? I mean, we're the better team. We should win. But they're going to, they're going to do everything in their power to make – to make us uncomfortable. Our offensive line's got to protect, limit penalties, finish their blocks, just give KJ a little bit of time to throw the football, allow our playmakers to make some plays, let the pass open everything up for us, then we'll start running the football and gashing them on the ground. Mizzou's going to scheme us like everyone else has. Stop the run, makes throw. That's something that's A-OK with me. Something I learned today, uh, offensively, we might be seeing Isaiah Satania a little bit more. He's been getting a lot more reps in practice. Pittman said that in the press conference today. And he'll likely be used against Mizzou and in the bowl game. Now, where we see him at, whether it be in the return game or at wide receiver, I don't know. But I assume he's getting a lot more work because Warren Thompson is no longer with the team. And he'll be back in Keytron. So I think that's the case because the only other receiver behind Keytron right now is Harper Cole. I'm sure Harper Cole probably nice, but... We got Satania in here on Scully for a reason, but it'll be exciting. It'll be exci- exciting to see where we use him. Unfortunately, Hogs, pro- Hogs will probably be without Bump. Uh, he's been banged up all year. I think we could all see that. I mean, five years of playing SEC West football takes a freaking toll on your body, especially hitting people as much as he does. But I honestly think he just played senior night because it was senior night, or Saturday night because it was senior night. Pittman said in his press conference today they thought Bump was done about five weeks ago. It's a tough kid. He embodies what it means to be a hog. He really does. We're going to have to come out with the same hunger mentality on Friday that we did against Ole Miss to put this team away. And we don't need to let them hang around. We don't need to let it be like a tend to, you know, we don't need to be giving them anything or making the game any easier for them. Like I said earlier, Missouri's going to view us how we viewed Ole Miss. This is the last regular season game for some of these seniors, even though it's going to be on the road and maybe others depending on the transfer portal. But, the leaders we have in the locker room are going to do everything in the power to end the season with the victory. They are. Pittman's going to have him ready to go. I really think he's driving home the importance of a win against Mizzou. Obviously, just to beat Mizzou and you know win the battle line trophy, but that also dictates where we're going in the bowl game. And honestly, I'd be a lot more worried about this game if we lost Ole Miss. But Saturday gave us all the juice we need to finish the season with a statement W in Columbia. And hopefully with a W in Columbia, that would put us at 7-5. and five. I'd probably say if we were 7-5, and five, we'd go to either the Liberty Bowl, the Texas Bowl, the Music City Bowl, or the Gator Bowl. In my opinion, I would really, 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 really love to go to the Music City Bowl. That would be freaking cool. As for Friday, just come out with that same mojo that we did this past Saturday. Come out with that fire. Come out knowing that you're the better team. Go out there and execute knowing that this team doesn't belong on the same football field as you, that you are the superior team for a reason. They view this as a rivalry more than we do because they know we're the better team, and that's a daggum fact. Against Utah, they put it near 40 times that night. Now back to corner, the end zone. Bobble and hung on. Keetron Jackson with the touchdown catch. Alrighty, now for everyone's favorite part of the pod, we got the mailbag Q and A. Let's get into it. 
First question, do you think Lane Kiffin cried a little bit after the game? Mm, no, he's used to those Arkansas ass whooping, so he don't need to cry about them anymore. Uh, next, you think KJ and Rocket are best friends? I'd hope they'd be best friends. I hope they're the two best friends anybody could have. I bet they're boys, though. If you were stranded on an island with one football player, who would it be? All right, if it was a former Arkansas player, if it was a former Arkansas player, I would 100% want to be stranded on an island with Frank Ragnow. Grizzly Bear Outdoors. Shout out the brand. Uh, if it was a current Arkansas player, let's see. Let's see. If it was a current Arkansas player, a current Arkansas player who I'd want to be stranded with on an island. If it's for survival, if it's for entertainment, I'd probably say KJ. If, if it's for survival, I really don't know. Quincy Mack could do such a wild card, though. I don't know. I feel like that guy would be able to kill a lot of stuff with his bare hands. Uh, how do we dominate a top 15 team so much if Pittman is such a bad coach? I don't know, Beef. That's a, that's a great question. I, as You know, this time a week ago, people want to burn down the program. Now people are loving Pittman again. It's just a, you know, Cole Daniels said this the other day. I was on the phone with him, and you might be right. Maybe the stereotypes people have about Arkansas folks are right. Maybe we are crazy. You know, we lose a game we're not supposed to, and by God, everyone wants to burn down the entire athletic department. It's insane. No, but how do we dominate, though? Pittman just showed that, uh, yeah, he's a man for the job, and the coordinator showed that, too. If you're a rational fan like you and I are, we all saw it. If KJ comes back next year, who has better Heisman odds to start the season, him or Rocket? Probably Rocket, just because stat-wise, KJ isn't on a Heisman caliber, in my opinion. Rocket is. Rocket will 100% be on the Doak Walker award watch list to start the season next year, like it was this year. Which player would make the best coach? It's a good question, actually. Which player would make the best coach? It's probably a guy with a lot of experience. I'd say Bumper would be a good coach. I think Bumper would be a good defensive coach. I could see someone with a lot of experience in different schools, like Cade Fortin, probably being a good, you know, maybe OC or something. Started out in North Carolina, went to USF, came here, seen a lot of different schemes, smart guy. He'd probably be my opinion. He'd probably be my vote, excuse me, in terms of best coach. Who sucks more, Drinkowitz or Putin? <laughs> uh, uh, definitely Drinkowitz. Putin seems like a good guy compared to Drink. Do you think they should let Tusk run free on the field during halftime? Absolutely not. That would be awful. There ain't no way. They're, well, one, Tusk is so fat, the guy would probably have a heart attack and die at midfield. But next, even if he did have some wheels on him, I don't know who's containing that guy. And good Lord, he's taken out half the landmark security. Thirdly, somehow a hog in the state of Arkansas, like the actual animal, is considered a nuisance. So someone could shoot and kill him at midfield and just leave him there, and they wouldn't get in trouble. That I know that's probably a little too much, but oh well. Are we going? Am I going to get cooked in the cereal bowl? Of course not. Of course not. You crazy? You crazy? I don't get. I don't get cooked in the cereal bowl. And my God, I've won the Captain Crunch three years in a row. It's about to be four this year. Are we the greatest athletic program right now? Of course. Top two, not to. I say it every day, gum pod. But all honesty, though, I'm extremely biased, I'm sure. But over the past two years, yeah, past two years, we've had a football program ranked in the top 10 both those seasons. We've had a basketball program ranked in the top 10 both those seasons. Same for baseball, same for softball, track and field. Don't even mess with us. Our soccer team's good. Our volleyball team's good. Gymnastics are good. I mean, as a 
athletic department as a whole, we are we are pretty good. I mean, in terms of across all sports, how consistent we've been over the past few years in terms of performance, we're up there. We got to be in the top three. Lastly, college football playoff thoughts. Why does TCU get no love? TCU gets no love on the show because it's an Arkansas podcast. That's why. Duggan for Heisman. No, Max Duggan's not winning the Heisman. TCU gets plenty of love because they're in the college football playoff. They are currently 11-0. I don't know how much more love you can get. But in terms of the college football playoff in general, uh, my thoughts on it, Tennessee's out. There's no chance they're making it. It would be the most Bama thing ever if, you know, Bama's going to the SC title game. Say they beat Georgia and a bunch of other people lose that Bama needs to lose and Bama gets in and winds up winning the national championship or something. That would be the most Bama thing ever to happen back in, I think, 2019 or 2018, I think. I forgot what year it was. It was the year that Tua – was it the year Tua came in and won? I don't know. But Bama won as a two-loss team a couple of years ago, so who knows. But next we'll move on. Keys to victory. This week's Keys to Victory are brought to you by the heart and soul of the Arkansas Razorback cheerleading squad, Mr. Sam Scalias. He's got three points here. First one, have K.J. Jefferson healthy. I agree, Scalise. Every game K.J. hasn't played, we all know what happens. We aren't the same football team. Without him, we average 15 points per game, 380 yards total offense. With him, 37 points per game, 480 yards total offense. Pretty freaking drastic if you ask me. I think anyone could tell that. Without him, it's simple. We don't win. We can't win without him. And it feels like his health is in question every week now since a Liberty game. It really does. I mean, I don't think he got hurt at all. I don't think he took a big shot on Saturday. But who knows? I didn't think that after the Auburn game. But apparently he was hurt then. As long as that guy's rested and healthy, we have a chance in every single football game. Secondly, run the ball effectively on first down and stay ahead of the chain. Scalise, I love this point. Like we talked about earlier, Mizzou loads the box on everybody. They want to have the numbers advantage. They run a 4-2-5 scheme. All six are going to be in the box. Or the first six defenders are going to be in the box. They might even walk down a safety, put seven in there. They really might. But if, we, but if we're behind the sticks consistently on second down or third down and get put in those long yardage scenarios in the middle downs, and we're going to keep Mizzou in the game more so than them keeping themselves in the game. Positive rushing yards on first down also allow us to go tempo and or open up opportunities for big passing plays on early down situations. Thirdly, pressure, pressure, pressure. Excuse me, this defense did lead the country in sacks through the first four weeks of the season. We dropped off severely until after the bye week. But throughout all of this, though, before the bye, our defensive production in general just wasn't anything near to what it is now. But the one thing we were able to do kind of was get after the quarterback, at least hit him around a little bit. And I know this Brady Cook kid is going to want to run around more than he can throw, but he's not any faster than any of the guys we have chasing him. We've contained guys faster than him, like Jaden Daniels and Ashford. So I'm not too worried about this guy hurting us on the ground, but he has the ability to. So get after this kid early, win the numbers game at the line of scrimmage, and Mizzou won't be able to stay on the field offensively for longer than a minute. If we can't, then guys like Simeon Blair are going to be left in man-to-man scenarios against their top receiver, and we know he doesn't thrive in those situations. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Views from the Hill. I'm sorry I kept it a little bit short. Didn't get to get to any basketball stuff like I wanted. The Hogs playing right now against Louisville. I'm recording the podcast on a Monday. I wanted to get it out for you guys before the Thanksgiving week. 
but we are six plays away from a thousand plays. I really appreciate all the love and support you guys are giving the podcast. It's made this journey a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to you know more episodes in the future coming up with new ideas to entertain you guys, interact with you guys on the podcast, and get more of you on here. Uh, maybe for a little banter back and forth, and just someone else's takes on the hogs besides mine. But whenever you go listen to it on Spotify, please leave it a good review. That, that leaves me with the main questions. Can the Hogs finish 7-5? and five? Then from there, can we finish 8-5? and five? What bowl are we going to? I don't have those answers, but until I do, I'll see y'all next week.